Welcome to the Love of the Gosh podcast. Today I'm here again with Joshua Turner. Joshua Turner is an ex-skinhead and is now a classical liberal and humanist and atheist, all-around good guy, my friend, who has a very long and complex and drastic change in, in history. Um, he's the founder of the organization called Saved by Reason, which is a secular humanist prison outreach nonprofit organization that promotes science and reason and secular values and humanism to inmates in prison. And Joshua works to try to reform people who used to hold white supremacist or Nazi ideology and just like himself, who he was changed from having those ideas and become secular humanists and rational thinkers. And he wants to do that for inmates in prison today. And that's what Saved by Reason is all about. You can learn a lot more about that and Joshua's background in a previous episode that I recorded with Joshua, which was actually the first episode of the Law of the Gosh podcast, if you look it up on iTunes uh, or on SoundCloud. And he's also the first to repeat guest. And uh, th thanks for coming back again, Joshua. Well, hey, thanks for having me, Lalo. I, I didn't realize that uh, I was your first guest, so that, that's cool for you to bring up. And, first uh, guest and re first repeat guest. And first repeat guest. Wow, I feel pretty lucky, man. Um, and that was, that was a hell of an introduction. So thank you. Anything else you want to add there? Or is, is, did I do um, a good job? No. Wow. You did a killer job. I, I'm actually considering, uh, asking you to be my new freaking marketing guy on my board. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. That was great. So thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, if you guys want to check out, it, it was a really good episode. He has a very complex background where he's brought up as a Christian, pretty fundamentalist, he uh, became uh, he got involved in Nazi groups, especially in prison, then had uh, drug issues, then got out of it through reading science books and atheist books like Richard Dawkins, and then got involved in a lot of uh, movements completely steered away from white supremacist Nazi ideology. So recently in the news, since about a few months ago, there was uh, the leader of the alt-right named Richard Spencer. He created the term alt-right on the website, and he's known for being a white nationalist. You know, there, there's some distinctions there between white nationalism and white supremacist. You know, mm. the tomato, tomato, honestly, in, in my consideration. But um, he doesn't refer to himself as a Nazi, although he's held rallies and events where he does the Nazi salute and everybody's doing the Nazi salute. So there's a lot of gray area though, where he says he's not a Nazi. Aside from that, I had an episode with uh, a blogger and podcaster named Dan Errol. And that was episode nine of my podcast. And Dan Errol held the position that Nazis should be punched. That conversation was sparked because Richard Spencer was being interviewed on the street. And 
member of one of these kind of uh, anti-fascist, what they call anti-fascist, although I consider them fascist myself, but one of these anti-fascist groups called Antifa or Black Bloc or some just various groups. Um, it was a guy in a black hoodie, co face covered, comes and punches uh, Richard Spencer from the side. Um, and that sparked a not just national, but international conversation with a lot of websites asking whether it's okay to punch Nazis. And I was quite, quite surprised about the, the, the widespread belief that it's okay to punch people for what they believe, even if it is Nazism. And a lot of these people have very big platforms sometimes, and they're not just random trolls. Some of these people are like Dan Errol. So I had a very long conversation about Dan Errol where I asked him in depth, about his position and how he can justify violence against people for what they believe, even though it is pretty egregious. And I was pretty satisfied with the conversation that I questioned his beliefs enough that I saw a lot of holes and ethical issues in what he was doing. And the conversation was used a lot by other people to kind of dig into how, how do you justify ethically this uh, this use of violence on others. But aside from that, I also wanted to get a secondhand opinion from a person who I could, I guess I could consider more of an authority, not on punching Nazis, but on the efficacy of what Dan claims that the punching does and also, he also, we had, there was a lot of trouble in defining um, what a Nazi was. And there was even things some there that Dan was saying, well, Nazis, Nazis believe X and Nazis believe Y. For example, he said, Nazis specifically believe in genocide, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of them, those things, I, I can't say for sure uh, myself, but a lot of those things seem exaggerated or untrue. So uh, uh, here with Joshua, who was in neo-Nazi groups, in prison, joined neo-Nazi groups in prison. This was in California, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. That you were, that yeah. this, you experienced this? So it's in yes. California. This is mostly what we're talking about in that conversation about the U.S., neo-Nazi groups. So there's a lot of questions I have, and I know there's a lot. Uh, Joshua heard the podcast and has done some research on this. So just in general this topic how do you see it um i see it basically as a freedom of speech issue um as a lot of people have argued i know peter bogosian was arguing um on on twitter with some people that were advocating punching nazis that um you know it's it's a freedom of speech issue and um it's if you in this country we can believe and say whatever we want and as soon as you cross that line and you break a law and, and, and act on those beliefs, um, that's when that's when you cross the line and, and break a law, and that's when you should be arrested and not even really punched in that case. Um, so what I see this as is, is basically just the same thing that the Nazis are doing, just the extreme on the other side. I totally, yeah, I, I totally agree. And when you say free speech, it's a common thing that people say, well, hate speech is not free speech. Right. I personally disagree with that. And luckily, my personal belief matches the law. Actually, in the United States, actually, hate speech is free speech. 
uh, West Westboro Baptist Church, for example, are one of the biggest haters of the haters in in, in the, around in in the U.S. Right, the Westboro ba- right. Baptist Church go to funerals of soldiers or uh, other people who have passed away. They show up at their funerals past a certain line, and they have signs up saying, you know, the, this person died because he was a fag and God hates fags and just the most horrible things that you can imagine being said. They're holding signs and they're screaming it with bullhorns. It's just God awful. They yeah. were taken to court and they were, uh, it, the courts came to the conclusion that they have the freedom of speech. Although if they're, they can't go on private property, they have to be behind certain lines. But when they're on public property, if they want to hold a protest, even if they're saying this stuff, they have the right to say it. And I agree. I agree. Like it's not. It, it's not. People will say, "Well, you know, how can you defend the the free speech of, of these groups?" It has nothing to do with agreeing with these groups. No, that the exact polar opposite. But I'm a firm believer that almost, you know, there might be some really particular exceptions that. Uh, in the U.S. that even you can't cross in as far as like uh, freedom of speech. But even in these extreme cases, I think groups like neo-Nazis, Westboro Baptist Church, extremist Muslims or extremist Christians um, who are against homosexuality or whatever, uh, anti-abortion, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, People who show up at abortion clinics, they have the right to express their opinion even though i think it is completely horrible um you used to be in these groups do you agree that even like because we i mean in the u.s when you just think of like the worst of the worst people think nazis you were in these groups you you know what they said behind even closed doors not just at protests do you think Mm. that even these groups and their hate speech should be free speech um yeah i absolutely do um to bring it back to what to what Daniel was arguing, he was he was basically saying that his his point, his biggest issue with the Nazis was that they advocate for genocide, and for him that was just uh, the type of hate speech that he couldn't tolerate, um, and that's just a fundamental a fundamental misunderstanding about uh, neo Nazis in America today. Um, when I was a neo Nazi, I didn't advocate for genocide of of any other race, and I didn't believe in in the genocide of any other race. And most of the skinheads that I knew uh, also didn't either. Um, you know, we, we just we felt like our race was under threat and that we needed to save it. But we didn't feel like we needed to go out and exterminate the Jews like the Nazis did. Um, and another thing we even we we at the time and, and skinheads and, and Nazis and white supremacists today will um, deny the Holocaust. I'm sure you're familiar with Holocaust denial. It's pretty prevalent and popular. Uh, online and stuff, storm websites such as Stormfront um, try to push propaganda and stuff to say that the Holocaust was fake. But um, you know, so anyway, the reason why I brought that up is if if they want to commit genocide against Jews or blacks or any other minority, why would they believe that the Holocaust is fake? Uh, why, in you know what I mean? Like, wh- why would they spend so much time trying to deny? that the Holocaust didn't take place and that Hitler was, um, you know, this, this good guy that was just misunderstood. And, and, uh, they try to say that, you know, America and the Russians uh, made up propaganda that the Holocaust happened and it really didn't, you know, they, they just did that to give, um, Jews 
Israel back so that America could have allies in the Middle East again. So they don't even accept that uh, Hitler was killing Nazis. So what, you know, what makes Dan Arell think that Nazis today are, are advocating genocide? Right. So I pointed out to Dan, which I just kind of assume is true, like despite my lack of interactions with with neo-Nazis, but I said there's neo-Nazis of different degrees and not all are genocidal. Some believe in separation right. of races. Some believe in just the the national socialism of, of Hitler and interracial marriage it shouldn't be allowed. They're very anti-immigration. They're very anti-homosexual. Some are religious, some aren't. Um, but his response to, to that kind of uh, nuance I was, I was throwing in about Nazis, and he said, that uh quote there there he said there you're when i when i said like not all are genocidal particularly on that he says there you're leaving the nazi sphere then you're you're a racist or a white supremacist like the kkk because they don't hold the eradication view nazis hold the eradication view and the white supremacist view on top of that so that was specific to the, like uh, having a view of genocide or eradication of races. And he said, if you don't hold that um, view, then you're not really a Nazi. It, it, is that true? Is it like how, No, no, that's okay. absolutely not true at all. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was I was a skinhead, neo-Nazi skinhead. I was a Nazi. I consider myself a Nazi. Mm -hmm. And uh, the guys that I ran with did, too. I was with a group called Aryan Front and later prospected for a group called Peni Death Squad. And um, both of these groups, neither one of them advocate for genocide. Um, there's no, I mean, there's no websites anywhere of, uh, I don't even believe Stormfront, ha uh, which is a neo-Nazi website, has any articles about genocide uh, or any anything about promoting genocide. So where, where he's getting, I, th I think he's getting, uh, you know, the 1940 German Nazis mixed up with uh, the neo-Nazis of today. Because um, you know the 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 Nazis in America the, the Nazis in America have, have went through a lot. We've changed a lot since the 1940s in Germany. Um, ever since George Lincoln Rockwell started the American Nazi Party in the 60s, Nazism in the U.S. has been evolving into something that can intergrade with American politics better than you know the fascist post-imperialist German Nazism of Hitler and his and his Nazis. So you know what they did was they dropped the Sieg Heil and they replaced it with white power. And they limit public display, displays of the swastika where, where the early neo American neo-Nazis first attempts at recasting the group's image as a legitimate political party in the United States. So, you know, they were, they were white nationalists like the original Nazis, but they denied the Holocaust and they, they didn't advocate for genocide. They promoted democracy over fascism. Um, and, you know, they were, they were capitalists and they weren't socialists like the original Nazis were. So, so what elements do you think are prevalent ac mostly across the board with Nazis that make them Nazis? Gosh, yeah, that's a, I, I would have to say that it's just, it's not even white supremacy because, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of prevalent, like Richard Spencer has even said, he's not a white supremacist. Um, he just believes that the white race is, the white race is under attack. So I guess it would just be, um, pro white heritage, um, I guess that like you could say. Would you say like mostly across the board they're anti-immigration? Um, definitely, because you know whether whether they want to eradicate whether it's just this 
you know, this total nut that nobody listens to that, that, you know, in their trailer park that wants to see all the blacks killed or hung and somebody like Richard Spencer, um, who has a little more nuance to his views, they want to live separately from other races. So I would definitely say that uh, immigration is is probably um, yeah a factor that ties in with every, with all of them. How prevalent is the eradication view, as, as Dan was calling it, like the genocidal? They want to just eliminate races. Like how how yeah. often would you hear that from like a Nazi member when you were in prison or when you belonged to these groups? I rarely heard it, and I, it was seriously the what I call the fringe within the fringe that would speak that way. And they were usually they people that wouldn't re- rise high in power. They uh, they wouldn't get recognized by people like Richard Spencer. They you know they wouldn't have any power or influence. Um, you know they were just most of the time just angry drug addicts that were doing a really long prison term. <laughs> that was the only kind of guys I met ever saying something like that. So. Uh, on Richard Spencer, I, I mean, I don't know enough to pass judgment really when, like is if he's a not because he said like even I think it was just before he got punched, they were calling him a Nazi and he's like, oh, I'm not a Nazi. Actually, the Nazis kind of hate me. Do you think he's playing people when he says that, that he's not a Nazi and the Nazis hate him? Or is there some truth to that? To, to begin with, would you consider him a Nazi from from what he, he said? Kind of. I I consider him a Nazi. Um, yes, because he uses so much of the, the Nazi symbol, symbolism, you know, the saluting, hail Trump. Um, it's just, it's, it's a form of Nazism that is different from what we saw in Germany. So we can't expect the same results that happened in Germany. Um, you know, for one, I don't think, you know, Richard Spencer would, would uh, advocate for a Holocaust or anything like that if he was ever the leader. But um that's one thing. One thing is if you consider him a Nazi. The other thing is he oh, right, said right. he said uh, Nazis hate him. Could it be true that he even you consider him a Nazi? But it could it be true that there's a lot of Nazi groups who don't like him. There's definitely um, going to be Nazi groups out there that don't like him. Okay. I mean, there's there's such a, there's a huge spectrum out there. Right, Lalo. I mean, there's there's guys out there like I said that are on the fringe of the fringe that aren't taken seriously that that do want genocide. Um, and then there's, you know, more of the more prevalent guys that we see like Richard Spencer, um, that are try to be more sophisticated and, and come to the middle more, you know, with, with their, with their right wing politics and stuff. So what was your general impression of the conversation about punching Nazis that I had with Dan? Um, I don't know Dan personally, but, um. It just reminded me a lot of the same kind of language I, I would hear from from sharps and sharps are skinheads against racial prejudice. And um, they're Skin, basically wait, wait. skinheads yeah. against racial prejudice. Yeah. Well, you know, when when skinheads first started out, it, it was actually in the in the UK and they weren't a racist thing. They were. Yeah, it's it, it's a long story. Is that true? But, and it's, it's a yeah, it's a lot of history and it's a long, you know, a lot to get into. But. They, and they listened to Ross, uh, Rastafarian music, and it was like a working class type of thing, you know. Um, their dad, their their fathers were working class guys who had the sh- to ha- have their hair cut short so it wouldn't get caught in the machines, and uh, they wore Doc Martens out on the on the docks, you know, because they were working class guys, a lot of dark workers. So that became like this fad um, among you know these these ska and punk rocker guys in England at the time, and they were they called themselves skinheads, and. Um, this style came to America in, in the late 70s and the 80s. And um, at the time, there was a lot of racial tensions. 
uh, on the East Coast and the West Coast and the big cities and stuff. Um, you know, so a lot of white kids that were getting picked on or felt like their neighborhoods were getting overrun um, took this style, this punk rock style, the skinhead style that was that was coming over from the the UK, and they started turning it into something neo-Nazi and racist and white supremacist, and that's the the skinheads that you you know when you hear the word skinhead today that's that's the skinhead you you think about but uh they're not actually the first original skinheads anyway uh so out of out of the the racist skinheads so, so in the the original guys that were skinheads they felt like they had to defend the original you know meaning of what skinheads were and they actually kind of turned into this anti fascist very similar to antifa they're they're like this anti-fascist gang and they call themselves sharps skinheads against against racial prejudice and they they'll have the same style as skinheads but uh skinheads wear their 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 laces um they have white laces and they'll wear them like straight across like a ladder up their boots because skinheads are supposed to be straight laced and the the sharps will they'll wear their boot their laces they'll wear them different colors they'll wear checkered color laces and they'll wear them crisscrossed to, to show that they're not straight laced and that they'll mix with other races, you know? So it's, it, it's just a, a total gang mentality that is just very similar to, it's just too similar to the skinheads for me to endorse because they're using violence. They're, they're using hatred and intolerance and the same tactics that the skinheads are using to combat, um, an ideology that they oppose. So I'm just completely against that. I feel that, you know, if there's an ideology or a bad idea out there that I oppose, I should combat it with a better idea and not my fists or um, violence. Yeah. he uh, Dan said at some point that, um, that if we just sit back and do nothing, they win. Now, uh, debating them or highlighting the, the, what they say, um, mocking them, ridicule. I don't think that's doing nothing. Um, I it seems like Dan considers either like those who do not promote violence in the way he does, um, and supports groups like uh, Antifa and things like that, are essentially doing nothing. Do you think that is is there any truth in what he's saying that without those groups and there's actually physical violence, these groups have a chance of winning? I I don't think that at all. No, um, I don't see anywhere in history where you know that that might be a, the case here. Um, so yeah, I don't. I definitely don't agree with his his assumptions there. Um, and another thing that he said that I, I disagree with was, um, you know, he he made it sound like he had this glass half full optimism optimism that you know getting everybody to do all this. Um, would I, I think what you're referring to is that uh, that he said that by these groups using violence against people like Richard Spencer or Milo Yiannopoulos, that they need to, he said, they need to feel a level of fright. They need to right. be scared to go outside. They need to be scared to show up at events. They, they uh, like w w some kind of phrase like make, make fa uh, fascists scared again. Um, right. something like that. So I actually had, a, I was very skeptical of, of that. That's the result of using violence in the way these groups are doing that these people that he doesn't like, right. The like Richard Spencer, stuff like that, 
that by using violence that these people are going to actually be scared and they're going to be less active. I think the opposite. I think they're they're going to feel more victimized, more yes. empowered, more like uh, uh, to use violence themselves against these other groups. More they're going to feel rallied and more they're going to feel like vindicated because of it. A am I wrong? And because you were you were in groups like that and was that the the re like what is the result when they get a, some one of them gets a beat down do they all cower down and and oh it's like we're we're just not going to go outside anymore we're not going to do rallies anymore no most most skinheads that i know aren't pussies um <laughs> you know these guys like grow up in the street and they're fucking tough and if you're going to walk up and sock one you know you better be ready to to get rocking and you know to prepare prepare for a fight and um they'll come back with with more guys and you know even if that even if that's not the case and you assault you know somebody like Richard Spencer or somebody that's um you know a little more sophisticated um they they they're going to use that to their advantage as you were saying they're and you know they're not stupid they know that there's going to be some anti fascists there or some sharp members there and they're going to try to provoke them and and I've seen it happen I've you know they try to get those people to to punch them uh, they try to provoke them because they use that to their advantage. They load the videos to their, uh, you know, their YouTube channels, and they go, "Look, there's a another sharp punching me," you know, just for marching down the street, and it just it fuels their narrative that they're victims. So, you know, that's absolutely right there. I totally agree with you. It, it's just not something that is solving anything. It's just making it worse. It's adding more fuel to the fire. But what I was saying before I, that I disagreed also with Dan on was he had like a a, a a glass half full optimism that the assaults on these people who advocate genocide with a significant amount of power and influence will be carried out perfectly, you know, by, by just everyday citizens that, you know, see a, 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 a neo-Nazi that are promoting genocide. He, he just thinks that it's going to work out perfect and that, you know, there's not going to be any issues um, with people going to jail or anything, you know, it's, everything's going to, you know, he, I just felt like he, he thought that all the exact criteria that he spoke about during the podcast. That was my biggest criticism personally. I think a lot of people right. got different things out of my podcast and my questions because I asked a lot. My biggest criticism by the time it was over of his position was that I asked him, like, do you think that people are going to do this perfect level of violence where it's just going to be a punch? And they're not going to bring guns. They're not going to bring right. knives. They're not going to be stabbing people exactly. in the head. They're not going to, it's not going to get out of control. Uh, so, and, and they're going to hit the right people, right? They're not going to just start right. punching people. They consider Nazis for, you know, uh, for example, uh, people who are not, who don't identify as Nazi, but people think, well, MRAs are as bad as Nazis, right? Men's right activists are as bad as Nazis and they'll hit them too. So he's like, no, they're going to have this perfect consideration. Well, they'll have the right cri criteria of who is a Nazi that they right. have that, that Nazi holds an eradication genocide view and that they will hit them just in the right way. And it's not going to spiral yeah, out of control. Or, I, right. I, I was also, that was the thing where. I, I wouldn't I don't buy that at all. Yeah, that's uh, that's complete starry eyed optimism. There's just no way that that would happen. I'm, for, you know, somebody like me, I'm a former neo-Nazi. I, I, I don't hold any genocidal beliefs and I never have. But I have a, a swastika like tattoo still that I haven't had a chance to get covered up or taken off. And in your podcast, 
uh, Dan said that, you know, somebody with a, a swastika or a neo-Nazi tattoo in, is hit, in his eyes is, is a neo-Nazi and should be punched. So, I mean, so somebody like me, if Dan, you know, Dan saw me down at the river, he'd, he'd punch me in the face, not even know who I, who I am, you know what I mean? Just because of that tattoo on my side. And I don't even identify with that. So, you know, it's just, there's just a lot that can go wrong. And I just don't think he's taken that into account seriously. For example, he brought up Milo Yiannopoulos and the violence that occurred. Uh, I think it was at Berkeley, Berkeley, right? Mm -hmm. That that where there there was fires, there was public property destroyed, people were were hit and hurt pretty severely. And Milo was at probably the peak of his popularity. Trump tweeted about that protest, right? That maybe hey, we have to defund Berkeley. Um, he had his book deal. He was being interviewed a lot on the news. And just right after that, I think it was the next week, he was on real time with Bill Maher and even Bill Maher got a lot of criticism for having him on, mm -hmm. but some people online, uh, started, uh, clipping all of these interviews Milo had had where he was making justification with, uh, sex with underage children that are like 13 years old. He said in some cases that 13 year olds can consent to sexual relationships with people in their thirties. And there was a lot of clips like that. And there was a lot of things that he said, and it wasn't, I mean, the, the, the violence that occurred in Berkeley only shot him up in popularity, right? right. It didn't hurt him at all. Trump Not was tweeting in a positive way about uh, Milo. He got on real time. You know, he was at the, he, he was at the peak, I think, of his popularity ever. Thanks to the violence. Thanks to the protesters. On the other hand, those people who instead of using violence, you researched what he had said, found things questionable and controversial and pretty egregious of what he said about sex with minors, put it online it was out there and then he what he had to quit from Breitbart he lost his book deal he gave a apology on on television and since then I haven't really uh seen much of Milo um um I was always a, a supporter of Milo not for what he said uh I would say I agree I don't know if a percentage maybe half of what he said and the other half I thought was way over the top he would even trash atheists like crazy all the time um, yeah. but I was a supporter in the sense of his free speech. And I, I think, uh, Dan is not right in, in the use in promoting the use of violence against Nazis. Um, and so, you know, highlight what they say. Don't, don't. And, but if you do the opposite, if you do what Dan wants, if you use the violence, it makes them a victim, right? It, it may, it makes them yes. the empowered ones. It makes, it makes, it, it, it puts, it puts that Nazi in the right because he is a victim. He he. It is illegal to hit him, right? Even mm -hmm. in, technically, he's he's in the in the in the right. Legally, he is in the right. Why put him in the in that position, right? Let him be in the position where he's talking nonsense. Um. So what what do you what do you think about the these groups as far as you know them? Like what 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 should uh, people be doing? to this new uprising where Richard Spencer is gaining popularity. I don't think it's to any degree that it's going to be a significant popularity, but some popularity, more popularity than I think um, white nationalist groups have ever seen in a very long time. 
what would you suggest as a person who's kind of in these kind of groups? What, what should people do to combat them? Um, we sh just continue to bring better arguments to the table. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's great that people like Dave Rubin are having um, people on his show that he doesn't necessarily agree with and, you know, that he takes a lot of heat for having on the show. But it, it's just showing that uh, this willingness to, um, you know, share ideas. And, you know, as, as, as derogatory as we find somebody's ideas, I feel that if, if they're in the public sphere and they're gaining enough popularity, then they, there's a reason. And, you know, they have they must have the nation, a part of the nation's ear and, um, and, and their attention. So, you know, we should hear what they have to say and we should find the holes in what, they, you know, because that's what I do. I, I teach inmates how to to find holes in their 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 beliefs and in their critical thought and and. Um, you know, just to be better critical thinkers. And that's what we need to do, I believe, here is, uh, you know, just to listen to their arguments and think about it and present better arguments and just use evidence and reason as, as our weapons, uh, you know, to strike this, this, these opponents down, you know what I mean? And not fists and, and uh, intolerance and the same things that we stand against. Well, thank you, Joshua Turner, for being on again on the Lal Dagosh podcast. Just to, to let people know, you wrote uh, on your blog, uh, savedbyreason.tumblr.com. You wrote a, a blog post called Contending with Dan Errol, which is pretty long, but it's very detailed about the differences you had in opinion with Dan. So if you, if anybody wants to know in more detail about Joshua's opinion on that, I think that's uh, a very good uh, post that you wrote. Um, thank you. The, the podcast with Dan was episode nine of my podcast. Is it okay to punch Nazis was the title. Uh, you guys can check that one out. And if you want to know about Joshua, we did a podcast that was the very first episode of this podcast. And also they can find you where Joshua. They can find me um, either on Twitter at save by reason or at um, on the internet savebyreason.org. Great. And uh, how is your organization going? Um, it's doing good. Uh, we're not doing as much as we'd like to at the moment because I'm wrapping up my book proposal. But as soon as those are going out in the mail, we're going to you know, get back to it in full strength. But right now we're just um, kind of doing locally, staying local right now. And your book in the, in the future is going to be about uh, your life story? Yeah, um, right now the I mean, it could change, but the title right now is "Say by Reason: How Atheism Deconverted a Neo-Nazi." I think that's a that's a good title. I've always liked the the "Save by Reason" title. Um, if you when you ever you get that book published, you can come on again and talk about it and promote it. You're always welcome on here. I awesome. also really want to tell you that um, I wanted to talk about this the first time I interviewed you, but I just forgot at some point. But after that talk we had, I really appreciated your background um, compared to mine in the sense that you were never given a chance to like think critically, think rationally, think scientifically versus my background. And you got there all the same, right? You, mm -hmm. you still got there despite... All the things you were in, you, you, uh, if you, anybody who listens to my podcast with uh, the first one we did, you, your family was really religious, hold some very fundamentalist kind of ideas. 
you got into neo-Nazism, you, um, you were in prison, you, you got involved in drugs, and through all of that, you still got out, and you're the secular humanist atheist doing this deconversion of people in prison, and uh, I just, I, I admire you a, a ton, and uh, thank you for, for being on and always helping me uh, present that perspective, which I think is indispensable right now, considering the, the conversations on race and very uh, polarized politics right uh, in, in, in the world, and especially in the U.S. right now. I think a person with your background and experience is indispensable. So I, I wish you only the best in, in your projects and everything you're doing. Lalo, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I really couldn't have done it without the material that was out there. Um, books by Richard Dawkins and not even that, but podcasts by people like yourself. Um, just, you know, talking about these subjects and stuff is um, what, what helped me change my mind. So I just want to thank you and, and people like you that are out there um, doing the good work. You know, I couldn't have done it without people like you guys. So uh, I return that, that gratitude and thanks, bro. And, and, uh, have me on the show anytime. I enjoy it. Thank you, Joshua. Take care. All right.